You're now tuning into the Barely Hibernating Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, featuring Bear Report's own Usaid Kosho and fan-sided Sam Stevenson and AJ Desai. Here are your hosts. Got the senior bowl going on. All right. The Bears offseason is clearly heating up. We're like, whatever, two or three weeks removed from that stupid, terrible press conference that is going to linger on as one of the worst press conferences in Chicago Bears history. It probably does live in my head rent free. But what's going on, guys? Welcome into the Barely Hibernating Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. You know me, one of the co-hosts behind the show. I'm Usaid Koshal. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. Usually I'm joined by Sam Stevenson and AJ Desai. You can follow Sam on Twitter at SJSteve9. He's not in the house today, guys, for whatever reason. I'm pretty sure it was his lacrosse practice that got canceled. But I do have my right-hand man, AJ Desai, in the house. You can follow him on Twitter at AJ Desai4. If you recognize the name first off, it's because, yes, he does share a last name with New Bears defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, AJ, and the rest of the Desai family. Congratulations on that big move. Yeah, man. I mean, we're excited. We're excited. I'm just playing with my filters here on Zoom. Like, like I'm not fibbing. You know, this guy, like, you know, started his career at Temple, then went to BC, and we went to his wedding when I was, like, seven in Pennsylvania. And, like, I saw my dad chatting this person up, and I remember my dad saying that he could actually become a coach in the NFL because my dad's a huge Green Bay fan, huge, huge Green Bay fan. Um and like he's really sad right now but i get to laugh in his face every day now so um but like yeah you're going back to sean decide man you know great hire i think you know i personally wanted james betcher but like you know then again i really thought the bears would go internally with their defensive coordinator and what you know this is a perfect hire sean Desai. uh like i mentioned like i was seven when i went to his wedding and then you know 19 years later he's the defensive coordinator of the chicago bears so uh like here we are guys Uh, i'm excited and uh, if anyone if i know you personally or if i'm if i'm getting to know you um, i'm more than happy to take you to soldier field man it's it's a great stadium to be up in there up in there up in that united club or the stadium suites man i'm excited and i can't wait to step in step my foot into one of those suites it'll be the first time in my career that i do so yeah, it's definitely super cool, you know, because this offseason we look at like there's just a lot of hit, kind of certain milestones that have been hit in the NFL, which are obviously going to have a lasting impact because you look at, you know, let's go to the New York Jets here before we get into our Bears content because this is important stuff to talk about, especially considering the situation of the United States right now. I mean, you have Robert Saleh, a guy from Dearborn, Michigan, Lebanese immigrants. You know, he's the first Muslim American head coach. That's a big milestone right there. Um, And then you look at, because we've had Muslim players in the NFL like Hamza and Hussein Abdullah. We've never had them actual muslim coach though that we know of and now sean being the first guy of indian descent i know if you guys know me and aj all right uh we're originally from you know india and pakistan so we're brown right so we got some representation in the nfl right now but yeah it's awesome to see uh i need a tea break after this podcast but let's get right into it dude yeah if you're unfamiliar us brown people we drink tea all day for the most part um you know breakfast lunch dinner in between probably two or three times a day it's just what we do but uh you know obviously getting into it right here doing a lot going on you know you got the senior bowl kicking off in mobile alabama and it's always a fun experience and i'm gonna go ahead and get started here but yo the one guy who impressed me today 
was I think Mac Jones. And when you look at the practice clips, you know, that they've been emailing us, that they've been sending for those of us that have credentials. When you just look at what's out there on Twitter, yo, Mac Jones had a great first day. And I think that a lot of the major insiders who do have tabs on the NFL draft every single year, a guy like Ben Albright, for example, he's gone out, he's tweeted, and he said, hey, listen, Mac Jones is going to go a hell of a lot higher than people think. I think that when we talk about, you know, the whole argument of, oh, well, Mac Jones is only good because he's a product of the talent at Alabama. I get today was just one day, but he looked damn impressive. And I think for me, I might be ready to toss that argument out the window, but who impressed you day one? A couple of people, you know, I, I love guys. I love playmakers on the offensive side of the football. I mean, of course, uh, you know, Mac Jones impressed me too. You know, his accuracy is definitely showing out there in Mobile, Alabama. And, you know, you know, South Carolina Shy Smith, you know, I saw a, um, a, a very impressive catch. You know, he's a wide receiver there from the University of South Carolina, Gamecocks. Um, nice little stutter, stutter step, beats his corner and um, beats him on a drag route. A diving catch there at the end. If you saw that video, I'll, I'll retweet it there on the Barely Hibernating podcast if I'm allowed to. But, um, you know, he is a guy that could be a, an intense person in this Bears offense. Like, I, I mean, like, I'm just saying, you know, like if, if, if we do move on from Anthony Miller, like guys like Shai Smith, um, Dwayne Eskeridge, you know, I like him. He's really quick. He has... Um, very sharp route running skills. You know, he's he's great. But, like, then on a defensive side of the ball, I really liked what um, – what uh, I think his name is Wyatt, Wyatt Hubert. Um, he comes out of uh, Kansas State. Um, you know, that burst that he has um, – right out when he has his hands in the dirt. Really, really, really nice. I mean, you know, he's able to beat the tackle on the outside. Um, another guy, this is my final guy, my fourth guy, UAB's wide receiver, Austin Watkins. Again, just like Dwayne um, Eskeridge, he has that speed. He can beat you on the inside and on the outside. He can play that, um, that slot skill or the wide receiver two position. So it's really, really cool. I mean, these, these, uh, these young players, they're out here that, like, you know, do come from small schools somewhat, I guess, you know, I mean, like it, it comes from all over the country, but like, you know, it's a Reese's bowl where you have a chance to like, you know, show your potential to some NFL coaches there. And, you know, it's, it's a good chance for your draft stock to rise. So I like those four guys. Yeah. You know, Eskridge is interesting because I see like, Jordan Reed from the draft network kind of comparing him to Steve Smith senior. And I think that for Chicago, right, we'll get into it right now in just a moment, but we don't know what's going to happen with Allen Robinson, and we'll get into our interview with Brad Spielberg or Pro Football Focus later, where he'll touch on that as well. But I think when we do look at this situation, right, and I wrote this in an article on Bear Report too, dude, if Allen Robinson's not back, right, you're going to have to spend multiple draft picks on the wide receiver room because Javon Wims, and I'm saying this nicely, is a freaking bum. Anthony Miller and you and I have been yelling and screaming about this, but Bears fans thought, oh, no, it was the bad quarterback situation. Like, Anthony Miller's a freaking bum. Riley Ridley, you haven't even given him enough time to play. Um, so you don't know what you have in him because, again, he started, like, one game over the last couple of years. So there's a very real possibility that the only wide receiver in the room next year that in 2021 that was here in 2020 is going to be Darnell Mooney and I think when we look at the league just it becoming such a big passing league it's a pass first league right it's not just pass first but it's also speed first I mean look at the Chiefs on Saturday or Sunday afternoon I'm sorry they had McCall Hardman and Tyreek Hill in on like nearly every single play it seemed like for so for Chicago keeping an eye on speedsters at the senior bowl 
that's going to be a big thing because you need speed in this offense. As far as I'm concerned, like I'm done trying to use, like I, you can use Tariq Cohen as a gadget guy if you're Matt Nagy, but I'm done trying to use him as like this do it all type guy. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, I, I still think that like, you know, Anthony Miller could try to find something back in this offense. You know, there's a lot of things that he could do. Um, here, here's the thing. Here's my thing. And this is just a personal point of view from it. Um, I, I, I think that like, you know, we just need to build this offensive line and see how this, uh, how these wide receivers, how, the, how these th- all running backs and how these tight ends really gel in with this bears offense. Like this, 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 this offensive line was just putrid and, you know, like they didn't really give either quarterback time to get these wide receivers open downfield or anything like that. Like either, either that, or either I'm just like high and I, I don't understand football or either Nagy is a stupid coach or like either the players who don't know what they're doing. Like either it's one of those three, but, but I really think that like, if you could try to, you know, find out what the issue is in your offense and find and identify an identity in your offense, you know, I think guys like Anthony Miller can, can benefit from that. But, you know, when it comes to like, you know, not just turning a blind eye to it that we saw, you said after the 2018 season, we turned a blind eye to the offensive line. We turned a blind eye again after 2019. So, I mean, you're going to see the regression in 2020, like we did in this, uh, in this, uh, this past season. So, I mean, you saw the offensive line just be completely garbage. You didn't, you didn't see Nick Foles or even Mitch Trubisky for the fact that like, I don't even care these last four games, like they were against bad defense, defenses aside from the Packers. But, um, and then you saw what happened in the playoffs, you know, like this guy can't even like even if he has time like I mean like luck is not even on Mr. Trubisky's side like Javon Wims dropped the easy touchdown so I mean you know it's just you know there's a lot of things that the Bears need to do for their playmakers to go out there and perform so I mean they did that in 2018 but that's where they got complacent and just fell off a cliff from there so yeah see for me right like my whole viewpoint is this is that like you have there's two ways to go with Allen Robinson you either bring him back or you don't bring him back all right mm-hmm. and bringing him back entails signing him to a contract extension that's going to be well over 20 million mm-hmm. and then or franchise tagging him not bringing back means you let him walk but then the issue with not bringing him back is you then you have to be 110% convinced that there's someone better that's out there that would upgrade Ari Allen Robinson's like significant production, right? To sure. and then step in and be the contributor that he is, right? So I'm looking at it right now. I mean, listen, a lot of people are like, oh, just bring him back because he's a good guy. And it's just like, yo, the guy has been your most consistent contributor on yeah. offense the last three seasons. And the fact that he got 102 receptions and nearly 1,300 yards in a year where the Bears lost six games, went eight and eight, had two essentially three switches at the quarterback position, right? That speaks volumes as to how much of even Allen Robinson's production has taken a hit because I believe this right now that if he did have a legitimate stable presence at quarterback, he would be like a 1,500-yard receiver every year. Yeah, and like, and in addition to my answer that I just said a couple of minutes ago, you have to bring him back. 
if you let Allen Robinson walk and you're going to depend on Riley Ridley, Javon Wims, Darnell Mooney, and Anthony Miller, who's walking into his contract year, this, the Chicago Bears organization just is lost in water. You know, like, you know, if you saw the TV show on Fox or ABC or wherever network it's on, it's called the manifest. It, it, I don't know what happens. Like they just go out in an alternate universe and they're like, I think they're dead or wanted. I don't know. I just forgot about the whole plot, but like, you know, or lost. If you've seen lost, you know, they're dumb on an island you know that's 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 this chicago bears organization this off season they need to realize what's important and what's important is letting mitch walk and bringing back Allen robinson you bring back your number one playmaker if you bring back mitch over Allen robinson okay wait no scratch that okay say if you don't bring back mitch right and you don't bring back Allen robinson right and if you turn around and you give Andy Dalton four years, $80 million, I'm going to Hallis Hall with a rock and shattering a bunch of windows, man. That's just like, come on, man. Like, if, if you're going to go out and get a quarterback, go trade for a guy like Derek Clark or Carson Wentz. If you want to win, W-I-N, win, all right? You need, <laughs> okay, you need to be able to put the right decision in front of you. And that right decision, you said, you said it, re-sign Allen Robinson or tag him. But if you tag him, you are promising yourself and the Chicago Bears fans that you are going to give them a four- or five-year deal by the, by, by the time week one is over or before week one. You have to bring him back. Like he's 25. He's younger than me and he's making so much money. Dude, come on, dude. This cannot be, this cannot be like rocket science. You know, if you tag and trade Allen Robinson, this franchise is done. They're done. Who, who's Nick Foles going to throw to? Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, but that's still yeah. not enough. The thing is, like, people... They're probably going to trade Anthony Miller because the owner prefer, prefers Javon Wims over Anthony Miller anyway because literally George McCaskey thinks Anthony Miller is a street fighter, okay? The guy just wants to play ball, bro. Just throw the ball to him or just, you know, build the offense and then throw the ball to him, you know? Don't be complacent. This is what the Bears did the last two years. They they had a good season, right, you, you say? But then they just ruined it. You know, no improvements after 2018. Everyone thought it was the kicker, all right? This team, after 2018, walked into training camp like they just won the fucking Super Bowl, right? And then 2018, at 2019, they stunk the bed, right? First, The first snap was a fumble, and then after that, they go 8-8. Eight and eight. And then right here, 2020, what happens is they still don't make any moves. They go out and get what's not needed, Robert Quinn. We didn't need Robert Quinn. Yeah, right? no, they, they gave you like one. Well, so. Nichols who can play stand-up linebacker or a hand in his dirt. You had Robert Quinn. I guess I, I get he has drop foot guys, but you're paying that money to get sacks, all right, and turnovers and fumbles and guys that can hit you on that hand and that ball falls on the ground and Khalil Mack or Bilal Nichols falls on it, all right? Do not give me the excuse that Eddie Goldman is not playing this year, all right? A guy that makes that much money, same thing with Khalil Mack. These guys need to be forcing turnovers, man. Like, I'm this close. You said, if I was the general manager, I'm this close that Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn are not on my team in 2022. That close. You know, yeah. these, these guys need to make things happen. You're paying money to this defense, like you said, and Brad, and I'm going to end it off right here, that 
you are committing 70% of your funds to the defense, right? And you went eight and eight these last two years. Vic Fangio gave Matt Nagy coach of the year, right? Because that was his 12 and four record. What does Matt Nagy and the players have to show this Bears organization? They have nothing to show the fans. They're 16 and 16. But these dumbass Bears fans are still going to go to the game and give them a 99% occupancy. Why? Because we have a chance to beat Green Bay every year. Dude, we're four and 20 in the last 11 years or 12 years, dude. They boat race us, all right? It doesn't matter how good of a team that we have. We had Khalil Mack in a number one defense going to week one in Lambeau Field. We had a 23-point uh, lead, and we surrendered it. The, the whole thing is this, right? So, like, if you guys, re- you know, if Bears fans, y'all remember, like, when they fired Lovey Smith and they brought in Probably Mark Trussman. Yeah, they brought in Trussman and they brought in Phil Emery. And, you know, George, I'm pretty sure it was George or Ted, whoever said, I think it was Emery, was like, well, we made these moves even after the last, the second to last, essentially most successful season in Bears history in the last, like, 10 to 15 years, right? Because 10 and 6 and then 12 and 4 in 2018. But their whole motive was like, well, we need to close the talent gap between like Green Bay and Detroit and Chicago. And forget Detroit first off. They were at a peak earlier in the 2010s when they had Jim Caldwell. But like, dude, there's been no closing of the gap. And the closest <laughs> that Chicago's come has been 2018, right? And even that, like, it's because Aaron Rodgers was playing on like a broken kneecap the entire year or something like that. And we had, you know... Four years of Vic Fangio. Um, that was the fourth year of the Vic Fangio era here in Chicago. So it's like when we look at it, right? The organization this offseason, they need to make, they need to do certain things, right? One, they got to make moves, but they got to make the smart moves and they got to make the right moves. You can't just have this erratic decision making that you're doing, the erratic decision making that's going on. And you're just making moves because you view, okay, well, we didn't have as many sacks this year or we didn't have as many touchdowns. So we need to go on offense, right? So we're going to go out and we're going to throw all this money at this guy and this guy and this guy because we view those guys as being upgrades. That's just the reality of the situation because that's what they did in 2020 especially. They, they did, but here's my thing about it. Like if, we, if we're going to dig deep into it, like, you know, like we're going to talk about this little uh, preview of free agency that's going to come up here in March, but like they did. Don't get me wrong, Bears fans. They did address these needs. But you can do better than Robert Quinn and Jimmy Graham. Don't tell me that you can't do better than that. All right. I get that fans looked at Robert Quinn's numbers at Dallas and said, oh, 13 or 12 and a half sacks. Okay. If he does that here in Chicago, I think we'll be good because Mac will give us 14 sacks. So that's like, you know, 27 sacks before between our inside linebackers. All right. You know, Danny Shrevathan will be all right. Roquan will get like five or four. And then nobody knew about COVID. So, um, you know, Eddie Goldman will, uh, you know, push the pocket and, you know, get those guys free. But okay. Here, let's do the math. Eddie Goldman opts out, right? So I don't have him. Akeem Hicks is playing on like literally one leg, you know? God bless his skull. So I love Akeem Hicks so much, you know? Yeah, Roy Robertson. I'm saying like defensive lined up, right? You have Roy Robertson Harris. You have Bilal Nichols. You have yeah. Brent Urban. You have, um, well, what's the the other idiot's name, bro? The one who got suspended for the incident in North Carolina. Um, Mario Mario Edwards Jr. That's it. You have Mario he, he, Edwards Jr. So you can't you you can't tell me that you can't push the pocket, right? You know you got playmakers, right? This is the this is the same ideology that I was talking about a couple podcasts ago about not inserting Rashad Coward until well, sorry, no, not replacing Rashad Coward until week eleven or week ten or wherever the, wherever the hell it was. Okay, 
this Bears offense, this Bears offensive staff, you know, let me let me be quite frankly with you, all right? Harry Heisted, the former offensive coordinator of the Bears, he was the offensive line coach um, when Lovey Smith was the head coach of the Chicago Bears. I think this was from 2005 to 2009. They fired him, but, he, you know, he coached the guys like Owen Kreutz. He bought him to the Pro Bowl, you know, and then we bought him back for his second stint when we went 12-4. and four. And, you know, those guys, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, they were Pro Bowl guys. The whole collapse of the offensive line, what happened was Nagy is a prick. This is what happens, okay? He thinks that he wants to run an offense the way that he sees fit, the one that Andy Reid runs in, uh, runs in um, Kansas City, right? So, of course, our offensive line is built for that, but we don't have the, off- the players for it. We didn't have the tight end for it. At that point in time, we didn't have a burner on offense named Tyree Kill or something like that. We didn't even have – we had Kendall Wright at that time so or, or, or whoever it was. Deontay Tom- – wait, no. Uh, 2018, we had Taylor Gabriel. That's right, Taylor Gabriel. You know, Taylor Gabriel is no Tyree Kill, right? So you can't run an offense like that, all right? And when you come back in 2019, this is what Nagy tried to do. So he scapegoated Harry Heisen, who was a great coach again. What happens? You had – it. It was essentially regression all across the board, dude, is really what it was. And then obviously, you know, the the assistants like Helfrich got blamed and Harry Heinstein got blamed. But like yeah. forget 2019 and 2020. I mean, that's all in the past. I think you m- mentioned a couple moments ago, the reality of the situation is that like you had all this defensive lined up despite Eddie Goldman being this is the same guy. ideology, right? If you didn't play people on that side, you didn't play people on this side. But still, at the end of the day, you have to play guys that are – that deserve a chance. You know, Roy Robertson Harris, like, I don't know if he was hurt, but he, he, I think he broke his arm, right? You know, you played the guys on the defensive side, but the same, the same point matters on the other side, you know, but you know, you got to be consistent on both sides of the ball. But like, you know, if you, you have guys like that, you know, urban was coming in and playing, you know, like they were pushing the pocket, but like, you know, like still Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn didn't do well. So, I mean, it's just um, Bears have a lot of work to do. They do have a lot of work to do, you know, and I think like looking forward, right, there were certain comments and I know we touched on that. We'll, Brad will kind of give his thoughts on this in just a couple moments here. But like when I look at, you know, the whole situation, like we saw the report that came out from Joel Glaze. It was like Joe or Jay Glazer of Fox Sports. He essentially mentioned, hey, listen, Chicago's expected to be big players at the quarterback market this offseason, right? And I think that when I look at that, like the Bears being considered big players in the quarterback market, yo, here's here's the deal, right? Listen, Jay Glazer's pretty accurate with a lot of the things that he says, but when it means, when he says Chicago's a big expected to be a big player that either means you're landing someone from Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott all the way down to like Andy Dalton. That's what big players means. And you know, they're going to be active, right? And that they're going to do all their research and collaborate and do all this stuff on every single candidate. But I'm legitimately like, I'm excited for this Jay Glazer report, but I'm also like super terrified because again, like them doing their homework on QBs last year landed us Nick Foles, which effectively meant us giving up $21 million in a fourth round pick. Yeah. I don't trust this organization doing their homework. Okay. Like I I love Jay Glazer, but that's what they're going to do. This is what the bears are going to do. They're going to, they're going to look at their offensive staff because they didn't fire anyone. Right. So they're going to look at the offensive staff and see who the quarterbacks that they worked with in the past guys. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be four years, 80 million to Andy Dalton. I'm telling you guys right now that it's going to be him who they're not going to, 
like Sam was right last week, they're not going to give four first round picks for Deshaun Watson because this is what George McCaskey is going to tell Ryan Pierce. Oh, oh, uh, oh, right. I don't think we're, we're going to give like four, uh, four of our next four picks first round picks because we already did that for Khalil Mack and you saw the fans and how pissed they were. And on top of that, you add your terrible first round drafting because you literally went one in five in the last five years. You're about to go in your sixth year. So that's the thing. You know, I don't, I don't see them getting like a car or a Wentz or a Watson or a, a Matt Ryan. Like I just, I just see them like throwing money at a guy like, like Andy Dalton and see if it sticks. Like here's the thing though, right? Is I'll take, Derek Carr or a healthy Carson Wentz because when here's the thing look when I don't want Matt Ryan because of the cap hit and he again would just be a short-term solution anyway because he's like 36 he's like in his late 30s right and so the reality with Matt Ryan is that you're going to be facing the same problem like a year or two later in terms of shit we got to figure out our next quarterback I will take Carr and I will take Wentz because Derek Carr is serviceable and I think that Derek Carr is consistent enough to the point where if he's playing right we do not have to back into the playoffs as the seven seed and he's consistent in playing at a high level, right? The reality of this situation is that the guy is in a position where maybe we are dark horse Super Bowl contenders with Derek Carr. And then regarding Carson Wentz, we've seen how he can play when he's playing at a high level and he's not mentally fractured. And let's be real about something. I know I blame Carson Wentz for certain situations because when you have a big, when you have a quarterback like that that has a big contract, doesn't matter what the hell's going on around him. You're paying that guy like a franchise QB, so he needs to perform like that. And when he's not doing it, the QB gets some of the blame. Same way how the QB gets some of the blame or gets all the praise when things are going well, right? But I think that with Carson Wentz, what he's had to deal with in Philly the last two years, the inconsistencies, the injury, the mediocre-ass run game, the best-up offensive line, I would say Carson Wentz needs a change of scenario. He is someone that I would take here in Chicago. And specifically because, like, Matt Nagy knows Doug Peterson real well, right? You have Nick Foles, who knows Carson Wentz real well. I mean, I get Foles took over for Carson Wentz, but let's be real. The Eagles are winning the Super Bowl in 2017 with Carson Wentz at the helm. If Nick Foles doesn't, or I'm sorry, if Carson Wentz doesn't, like, tear his ACL or something. So I would take a healthy Carson Wentz. And the reality is, dude, I think Philly, they're ready to move, because they just hired Nick Sariani as their head coach. I think they're ready to move forward with Jalen Hurts. And I think that the comments that ownership has made and the front office has made, I would say that they're confident with Jalen Hurts um, and because Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, they're going to be like, look, we're not paying this guy like 30 plus million a year for him to stink the bed up. Give me the young quarterback that's on that, you know, that's got three years remaining essentially in um, Jalen Hurts. And so I think right now when we look at it, ultimately, right, reality is that I think if you're going to swing for the fences, right, and you're not going to land a Watson or a Prescott, and I don't see those guys as likely options, even though part of me thinks that Chicago's some way somehow going to get Deshaun this offseason, um, I would say give me Stafford or give me Derek Carr. Or, I'm sorry, not Stafford, um, Wentz or Derek Carr. And no, regarding Matt Stafford, because I mentioned his name, he's not coming here next year because they're trading him to the AFC. They're not going to trade him in the NFC North where he's going to make them pay twice a year. He's going. I think, I think Stafford's going to go to the the Colts or the 49ers, whoever give the, give the Lions the best offer. I think, I think we could see like a QB switcheroo where Stafford goes to San Francisco and we see Jimmy Garoppolo, a lion. San Francisco needs to unload that contract and they need to get a quarterback that has like a 
offloadable contract too for the future for their sake of the future too so but going back to the bears it's just you know like i would be okay with Derek carr or carson Wentz. like you mentioned you say when Wentz is healthy you've seen him like rip apart defenses and we've seen that in 2017 when the bears were bad they were bad they ripped us apart too that year too. I think that was the game where Carson Wentz tore his ACL on a touchdown pass to our former wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. So if Carson Wentz is like sixty percent healthy, I'm still taking him on those Bears team because he's literally better than Nick Foles at sixty percent health. So yeah, that's that's a good point. I would just say the one big thing with Wentz though is the injuries because we've seen in any sport, especially in football, yeah. once you have back and knee injuries guys really tend to fall off and it's unfortunate, but that's just how it is. But Nick Foles has had that collarbone injury too. So, Hey, if you can make that case for Nick Foles that like he's broke his collarbone twice, right? I can make the same case for his, his knee and his back because like if he's 100% healthy, he has a change of change of like, you know, change of scenery. Right. I think he can thrive with Nagy because he's, I think Nagy can work with the guy like Wentz, uh, Wentz, to be honest. A guy like Derek Carr, a guy that can throw the ball five yards longer than five yards. You know, that's what Nick Foles did too. All right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating either quarterback. You know, like Mitch didn't do well either. I mean, like, let's be real, guys. All right. Those were really bad defenses. My grandma, who's dead, can wake up in her grave, can, can throw. Uh, 20 yard dots to Allen Robinson. All right. Like he's one of the best possession receivers, dude. All right. He's going to catch balls that are like five yards thrown away from him. He'll make the proper adjustment and catch the ball. Okay. Let's not, let's not act Mitch's God. All right. You can come at me with on Twitter all the time, all, all, all you want, but that guy's done. All right. He's done. All right. He's not, he's a, he's a Marcus Mariota 2.0. He's going to serve as a backup. All right. These, these franchises are not going to be stupid to give them, give, give them money just for him to start. They know they're going to have their option. Shit. If, if, if Mitch went to Miami, Tua would start over. I guarantee you, Steven Ross would not start Mitch over Tua. So, I mean, Mitch is done. All right. But anyways, I just, I just love saying that on every podcast, but anyways, like that's it. You know, if you can bring, if you can give me Carson Wentz or Derek Carr on this bears offense, let's ride baby. Like, because that's, that's our best chance. That's our best chance. If you bring in Andy Dalton, we're done. If you, if you, that, because that's literally another Mike Glennon contract. Essentially. I don't care how many yards Andy Dalton gives you. He's still going to make those those um, those seventh or eight year eighth year quarterback mistakes, you know, like he made in the first four years when he made to the playoffs four consecutive years. You saw it. You say it. it was because of him, because of Andy Dalton, the Cincinnati Bengals could not progress forward in those four years when he made the playoffs. So think about that. Think about this, Bears fans. You need a quarterback that can take you forward, not backwards, forward. Like and that is Carson Wentz or uh, Carson Wentz or Derek Carr. Like, yeah, you can go get Doc Prescott, but like, you know, Brad. Like you mentioned, the Bears are not going to be in a position to give a guy twenty six million dollars of a cap hit in the first year. So if you want to go bankrupt, you can do that. But like, if Dak doesn't work out, then what do you do?
Joining us now, though, on the Barely Hibernating podcast, we've got a man who needs absolutely no introduction whatsoever, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce him anyway. We've got Pro Football Focus's very own Brad Spielberger on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Brad, what is happening, man? Thanks so much for being on here. Thanks so much for having me on. You know, just another day living the dream, uh, talking some Bears football. It's, uh, it's the off season, so it's my season. So uh, things are going well. Thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. So, you know, we got to get started here. Obviously, the Bears, they are like one of the they've got like the, one of the worst salary cap situations in the NFL. Right. So, I mean, I'll start off with the first question. Who's one player that you think they need to move on either side of the ball if they're actually going to be in like a healthy cap situation? Yeah, you know, I think there's some obvious cuts. Um, if I could pick one on each side of the ball that are just kind of no-brainers. Um, you know, I think Jimmy Graham on offense, he did have some red zone success. We kind of saw what made Jimmy Graham Jimmy Graham earlier in his career. But if you go back and look at the snap counts at the end of the season, like you could tell even they were starting to phase him out of the offense. Um, you know, he's 34 years old, which is truly ancient at tight end. Um, and outside of the red zone, he offers you almost nothing. Uh, so you clear $7 million in cap space with the cut there. And then also Buster Scrine, who, to his credit, that signing was, was kind of not received well by, by a lot of people. Um, and he lived up well to it. But this year, you saw him decline and him fall off even before his injuries. Um, so that's a pretty obvious cut on the defensive side, especially with the Bears drafting a lot of cornerbacks the last few drafts. Yeah, they've invested like heavily into those positions, right? Like tight end and um, because tight end, you know, they you and I had a conversation about this on Twitter. I mean, they essentially panicked and reached for Cole Komet. All right. Um, this is for those of our listeners, you guys got to know mine and Brad's conversations on Twitter are just very straightforward and cutthroat. And most of the time, it's just about trashing the Bears, even though we choose to be Bears fans. But uh, AJ, I'll let you go ahead and ask the next question. So, I mean, like, the argument here on Twitter is is that um, salary cap is a myth, right? And like, I, I guess it's, I guess it is, I guess it isn't. But like, what do you think in terms of like what teams can do? Like, you see, you see, like the Chiefs signing Patrick Mahomes to a ten-year, five hundred million dollar deal, somehow making that fit in that in their um in their salary cap. You have the Saints who are at least a hundred million dollars over their salary cap. So, like, Brad, how do you see it as like like is sal- is salary cap a myth in, in in a way, or what do you think here? Like, no, I mean it's a great question, and, and you mentioned at the end there Ryan Pace's old team, the Saints. You know, I would say that I, I had to admit this this season that I'm never going to call it a myth. It's not a myth. I mean, the Saints themselves tried to add Davion Clowney this offseason, and they couldn't because they could not clear the requisite cap space to do so. So we saw, a, literally, we saw a move get prevented because of cap space. But by the same token, the Saints showed you can manipulate the cap to such an extreme degree and you can keep pushing money down the line. And if the cap continues to go up, which it does normally – Again, not a myth, not fake, but you can manipulate it to such an extreme that it's more a question of whether your owner is willing to spend cash than it ever really is a question of, is cap space truly preventing you from making moves? So, again, not going to call it a myth, not going to call it fake. I think teams like to have cap health, cap flexibility, but... It really can be manipulated to an extreme degree. And if a team wants to make a lot of moves in a short window and they can just continue to push money down the line and, and make a lot happen. But like, let me just add to that question. The, the ability that like you mentioned that um, flexibility of the team and you mentioned um, the 
like teams love to be in a healthy situation when it comes to cap space. Right. But what about like, in terms of like, you know, when the Eagles, like after going seven, eight, one the year before, and I think 2016, and then the next year they went all in, in terms of like, you know, um, getting Alshon Jeffrey, getting all these guys and re-signing all these guys. And then like, you know, being at this position where they're like, you know, under like eight or 9 million, but it's okay. They won the Super Bowl. But then a couple of years ago, you go back to what Denver did. They went out and they got guys like, TJ Ward, Akeem Tlaib, Demarcus Ware. They were also under the the cap too at that point. And they also won the Super Bowl of that year too. So it's just like, to me, it's like, I believe the Bears, like in 2018 or 2019, were in that position to make those moves to go out and get yourself a person that could help get this team over the hump to win the Super Bowl. But like, I really think that like the Bears didn't do it because we go back to the whole topic that like this team likes to be in a, in a cap healthy situation um, regarded right now. They're not because of like all the guaranteed money that they're giving out recently in the contract extensions. But what's your take on that? Like in a Bears perspective, view, in a Bears perspective view, um, like why can't they do, do what Denver did in 20 in the 2014 offseason? And why can't they do? Uh, the same thing what the Eagles did a couple of years later to win and um, to go all in and to win a Super Bowl. So that's the key right there is that basically if you're going to do it, you can do it. But essentially what you set yourself up for is you almost guarantee that you're going to have a stretch of like down years or bad years. Like I'm of the belief that the Saints, maybe they try once again, one more year this year to somehow make it work. But like, I think there's going to be a stretch of two or three years where they win like four games a season. Like I think it's coming. They don't have a lot of young talent. Their quarter, they have one quarterback under contract and I don't even think he's a quarterback in Taysom Hill. Like eventually you have to have to have a downturn, a downstretch. And I think the reason the the bears do spend money and and I should give them credit for some reason, there's a perception they're cheap from a cash perspective. They're really not. They're willing to spend cash. Um, but I think the thing more with the Bears is George McCaskey, if he could see, like, all right, in four years from now, whatever, three years from now, there's going to be a season where you're going to have $60 million in dead money, and that's going to, which is just, you know, cap space going to guys not on your roster. And that's going to be, you know, a third of your cap space. And so you're basically going to be guaranteed to be bad that year. He doesn't want that. He would rather go eight and eight every year than go twelve and four one year and then four and twelve another year. And I think that's the problem with the Bears is they're 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 comfortable yep. being average. I love that answer. Like guys, you you heard it there right there. Like that's this this that's just a situation. The Bears they're just getting comfortable and they and and they just like being content. Eight and eight, eight and eight, four and twelve. Oh, twelve and four. And then we go back to eight and eight, eight and eight, four and twelve. So that Brad, that was just a great answer. You said go ahead, man. Yeah, so I got to ask you Sam's question here because he's at lacrosse practice. But um, what do you think is the one move that this front office, the Bears, need to make this offseason that fans may not want to acknowledge and they're going to be like it was a terrible move, but it's going to get Chicago in like a healthy cap situation? That's a tough question. I I would say they're in a decent spot where I don't think anything is necessary, but I do think there are moves that – there's two moves that I think fans would probably universally dislike, and I wouldn't blame them for it, that if they did truly want to kind of pivot to the, to the future a little bit while still maintaining the present, but kind of focus a little bit on getting healthy, it's trading one of Kyle Fuller or Akeem Hicks. I mean, those are the moves you're looking at. I'm not suggesting they do either. I think both are still very good players, but, you know, Fuller is going to be a 29-year-old corner, which is pretty old at corner. Akeem Hicks is going to be a 32-year-old defensive lineman. You can kind of – there's some older guys there, like a Fletcher Cox still playing at a high level. But basically, 
I think their value on the trade market is not going to be higher than it is right now. Like, it, it, I'm not saying it's the peak. It probably was higher in past years, but it is officially at its inflection point and will only go down from here. So one of those two moves could clear you, you know, over $10 million if you trade one of those guys. And I think for Fuller, you probably get like a third and a sixth. I think for Akeem Hicks, you probably get a fifth, maybe a fourth, um, which doesn't sound like great value, but that, that's, you know, the nature of the trade market in the NFL. Um, those are moves where you clear room, and you clearly show an emphasis on we still think the defense will be good enough without this guy. Maybe it does dip a bit in 2021, but in 2022 and 2023, we could then be back to being you know on a better trajectory. Yeah, and I think those are moves right there. Like I think the Akeem Hicks one, I think that he's one guy that's going to get moved this offseason because like I think it was yeah last offseason, we saw Calais Campbell go for like a fourth and fifth round pick, right? And so when we look at Akeem Hicks, he is another guy that you're like, okay, they – He's got like one year left on his deal, essentially. So it's better to move him now and at least get something in return. Because again, who's calling the shots here in Chicago? Ryan Pace is. And the guy's been more successful on day three than he has been on day one and two. But let's kind of get into compensatory picks. Now. I mean, do you know how many Chicago's projected to have this offseason? Yeah, so I actually think Ryan Pace kind of gave us a signal in that press conference. It may have been the only good piece of information from the entire press conference. Uh was he said they expect to have eight draft picks in this draft. And they have five of their own regular picks. I believe that um, Adam Shaheen will reward them with a seventh-round pick in that trade. It was conditional, but he played a good amount of snaps, which is generally what the, you know, the conditions are on a pick. So then I think they're expecting to only get two compensatory picks now. Um, they were projected to get three six-rounders, but um, I want to say it's either Kevin Pierre-Lewis or HaHa Clinton-Dix our guy at over the cap, Nick Corte, who's like our compensatory pick expert. He's like the preeminent, you know, compensatory pick expert outside of the NFL. Um, projects them to get two six-round picks now from Nick Williams and Chase Daniel. Uh, so I think that's all they're going to get at this point. Gotcha. It's a team that, like, you look at, you know, they have some starters at certain positions, but then they, like, lacked up that other position. So they're going to need all the draft picks they can get. But, uh, AJ, I'll let you go ahead and take the next question here. Well, here's an impromptu question. I was looking at the the OTC salary cable, uh, salary cap cable here, uh, table, not cable. Um, and like, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, when we when we look at it, like, you know, Akeem Hicks and Kyle Fuller. Like, if you move on from one of those, you like you mentioned, you know, the. I mean, like, I'm not for an extension for Kyle Fuller just for you to put off money in the future and just borrowing that money. You know what I mean, Brad? You're tra- you're borrowing some money from the future to open up money right now, right? I'm not for restructures either. You know, I mean, like you said it perfectly. Like the Bears don't need to make a move right now. Like I, I mean, like okay, yeah, maybe one move. I mean, I guess trade Kyle Fuller, right? But like, you know, that's basically it. Like, e- even though if you don't if you don't make that move, the Bears are still going to be okay in terms of like money. I mean, like it can't be that bad right yeah no yeah like you said it's it's a question of kind of how do you want to position yourself in the short term and the long term but they, they don't have to make a move um but yeah it can set themselves up better going forward and, I, and i'm with you 100 percent that pushing money down the line it, it, it does make sense in some situations like we discussed like you said 2018 and 2019 they did that to, to basically fit this roster they had and, and i you know i think a lot of folks 
kind of saw the writing on the wall that maybe that wasn't the best idea, that this roster maybe wasn't as good as, you know, like the Saints and Eagles did it because they thought they were Super Bowl contenders. Of course, the Eagles also flamed out. But, yeah, um, but yeah so they don't have to, to make a move like that. They could still make everything work if they wanted to. Um, but it would require pushing money down the line and just making things more complicated in the future. So in terms of like pushing money down the line, I mean, we see Bears Twitter. They've been on the Dak Prescott train. They've been on the Deshaun Watson train. Is there any circumstances under which the Bears could acquire them? And then I know they're going to be pushing money down the line, but still have like a relatively healthy cap situation in the coming years. So the beauty with Deshaun Watson, and I think why, again, the compensation package is going to be the, the biggest trade in NFL history if it does happen. Um the beauty with Deshaun Watson is he's already signed this massive extension, of course, but his cap hit for an acquiring team next year would be ten and a half million dollars because you basically you don't you don't take on a signing bonus when you trade for a player that stays with the original team and that's what turns into dead money, as I mentioned before. So when they signed his extension, it's, it was an early extension, and they didn't really change and didn't really drastically increase those cap hits in the, in, in the the fourth year of his rookie deal which is this year, and then his fifth-year option year, which is next year, they kind of kept the amounts the same. So Deshaun Watson in a trade, the issue there is the draft picks. The, the cap hit would be totally fine. Um, Dak Prescott's the one where, yes, you can manipulate it, and yes, you can structure it in such a way where more of the cap hits in the future, but still, if you're signing a guy to a fresh, unrestricted free agent contract, it's hard. It's going to be hard to keep that first-year cap hit below you know, $25, $20 million just because he's probably going to get – around 40 a year on a four or five year deal. So even if you put, you know, he's not going to let you put 65 million in the last year of that deal of a bunch of funny money. He's going to want some of that up front. Another guy who's in the market for a contract extension, right, is Allen Robinson. I mean, do you think he's going to get 20 million a year plus that he wants, especially now that it's looking like he hits free agency? If he makes it to market, I think he will. Um, You know, I know folks are pointing to the fact there's a good free agent class and there's a lot of good draft picks, but at the end of the day, Draft picks are not a guarantee of anything. Um, and I think that there's, as much as I also think A-Rob is likely to get franchise tagged, um, I think Chris Godwin will get franchise tagged in Tampa. I think Kenny Galladay will get franchise tagged in Detroit. Maybe not now if they move Stafford. Maybe they just kind of, you know, let everyone go. But when that happens, it basically, you know, the market for Robinson then gets good again because there's less, you know, options available. And I would argue he's the best guy in the market. Um, you know, Godwin's younger, so, so if he hits for agency – you know, he's four years younger, so maybe he's a better option in terms of like a long-term deal. But yeah, I- I'd be surprised if he signs for less than $20 million a year. Yeah, I think the big thing to keep in mind with A-Rob, right, is that it's like he is, there's certain teams, right? Like you look at the Ravens, I mean, with Lamar Jackson, you know, they're a team that they need to have another wide receiver opposite Marquise Brown because they have a pretty decent offense already, right? It's just Ken Lamar, like, finally take the next step as a passer. And they could decide and say, hey, listen, A-Rob, like, we're going all in on our Super Bowl window right now with Lamar Jackson. Like, come here and join us. And I think for A-Rob, right, like, Lamar would be the best quarterback that he's ever played with. Yeah, yeah 100%. And I mean, also, it's, it's going to be the first wide receiver there, too. Like, you know what I mean? He's going to have a, a real wide receiver corp. They're going to be able to put Marquise Brown in the slot, and they're going to be able to put Miles Boykin at two, and Allen Robinson comes in as number one. That would be a hell of a signing for Ozzie Newsom and Steven Biscotti there in, uh, in, in, uh, in Baltimore. That would be awesome, and I would actually push them over as Super Bowl contenders too. I mean, like, here's the thing, Bears fans. Like, if we don't, if we don't tag him, he's bye-bye. 100%. I think even if they do tag him, there's a chance that it turns into a tag and trade situation. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Ravens is a perfect example. I'll look at the Washington football team. They obviously need to get a quarterback as well, but you put a guy opposite Terry McLaurin, you know, that's that a true number one go up and get a guy like Allen Robinson contested catch guy with a, you know, yards after the catch and just do everything guy like Terry McLaurin and you get a quarter uh, and even a league average quarterback on that roster. I mean, that team is contending in the NFC. Yeah, they are because of the great defense they built. And I think like, that's one thing is when, I checked this numbers on over the cap a couple of days ago. It was like the Bears defensive cap. It's supposed to increase to like what? 117 million or something in 2021. 119. I see it right here. I think that's the right number. That's just crazy. Wait, you're saying the cap in 2022 is oh, going to go up by 119 million. No, sorry. I'm saying no, just the defense. salary for the defense. My bad. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the, the cap allocation to the defense. Yeah. It's, it's number one in the league. It's been top five for, I think, three years in a row now, um, which, I mean, that, that's the Bears' M.O. That's what they like to do. Um, but, I mean, we're watching the playoffs. You know, the four, the four final four teams are not defensive-oriented teams. You need to pass the ball to win in, in, in the modern NFL. Passing league, folks. So do you think what needs to be, like, besides bring back Allen Robinson, are there any, like, and forget the quarterback situation here for just a second, but are there any other, like, quote-unquote splash moves or just, like, smaller moves that this team could make where they're investing in the offensive side of the ball without significantly breaking the bank? I would say there's one move, I think, where you could, where it would have a, a larger impact than the money. Um, like a guy like a Johnny Smith out of the Tennessee Titans. You know, I think... He's going to sign for around $9, $10 million a year. It depends on the market plays out and all that, but it's such a scarce position at tight end. There's so few talent. There's so little talent available, available there. But his fit in a 12-personnel in a system with Cole Komet on the inline and then Johnny Smith is really just a move, you know, a U tight end. He ha- is one of the best after-the-catch tight ends in the NFL. I want to say he's like third in average yards after the catch per reception going back like the last two or three seasons. Yeah. And he's fast. He's very fast, which is all about all Nagy's yeah. mo. That's a yeah. move where, on, on a cost basis, would be a massive, massive addition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the thing: they went out and they got Jimmy Graham for that much. I think. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like, if you if you make that signing, why can't you make a signing like uh, John Smith, who can come in and actually give you five, six hundred yards and like seven touchdowns? You know, I mean, like. I, Here's the thing. I think like Nick Foles is going to be our starter, and, and the Bears are going to invest in the offensive line and try to get another tight end in the house and, and try to tag Allen Robinson and extend him by like week one. That's what I think they're going to do. All this cap maneuvering stuff, it just doesn't seem possible after a pandemic that they had in, the, in, the, in, the, in a hit um, this, this Bears team took and like all the other teams took. So, I mean, you know, you got to make the no-brainer decisions and like, oh my God, that would be a great move. You know, John o. Smith on the Bears, oh, sign me up for that. You know, he's a guy that, you know, like, he and Cole Komet, and like if you have Demetrius Harris back as a third tight end, man, Brad, like that, that, that could be like a top five tight end room, man. Holy yeah, God. no, absolutely. I mean, Komet obviously showed a lot of promise over the course they of the did. season, and, and he, you know, is a good blocker and good inline tight end. So you add a speed element at, at the U position, like you said. I mean, that's that's great. The only other thing I can think of is maybe like a Curtis Samuel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think similar price point, probably around ten to twelve million a year. Um, again, kind of depends how this this whole cap situation shakes out. But I think he's the gadget type player that Nagy would absolutely love in this offense. Yeah. Um, you know, short routes, a lot of crossing slants, you know, even some ca- a couple carries a game. I think they'd use them all over. And again, uh, per- for the dollar amount would be, would be a big addition. And also we're not going to see Tashawn Gibson back. 
he's going to get back somewhere else. So he had a good year. He had a good year. Hey, you might, you might get a nice little deal. So obviously the last one for me from my end here, I mean, we've seen, you know, the comments that Aaron Rodgers made. Can you just touch on for the listeners that maybe don't know what his contract is structured like? Because they drafted Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers made those comments, and then their president and CEO, Mark Murphy's like, oh, he's for sure coming back here next year. Yeah, so it's funny that I, I actually, when he, when he first said it, in my head I was like, the odds that this is about a new contract are probably pretty high. Um, I mean, look, he's making $33.5 million a year, which is the same as Jared Goff, which means he's getting grossly underpaid. Um, and from a cash perspective, because obviously, the, you know, the average period doesn't really matter once you get into the later years of the deal. He's due like $22.5 million in cash this year, and then twenty five, and then twenty five the year after that, which, which is nothing for Aaron Rodgers. So what he's going to do, though, is Jordan Love has three years left of his rookie contract, and... I would say he's tradable this offseason, but it's about 31 and a half in dead money. So borderline untradable, you know, if you want to kind of look at it that way. But he would then be very movable, you know, the following year and, and very, very movable the year after that. What he's basically going to do is just say, I want enough guaranteed money to where I cannot be traded until Jordan Love's rookie contract runs out. And it basically screws them over because they'll get no surplus value from that rookie, you know, that rookie deal like we always talk about, like, like look at the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, you know, they, they could add so much around him because it's cheap deal. They won't get the benefit of that with Jordan Love whatsoever. So, are you, I mean, you're basically saying, all right, the Packers are kind of screwed, but not necessarily screwed. Well, you know, if you're screwed that you have to, you have to have Aaron Rodgers on your roster. It's a, it's a good way to be screwed. But yeah, I mean, I think he's going to ask for like a three year, $120 million contract with, with a substantial amount of that guaranteed. Um, they're not screwed overall as a, as a team, but I think it could effectively make the Jordan Love pick just throwing a first-round pick down the toilet, more or less. Got it. Well, that's it from me, dude. AJ, do you have anything else for Brad? Or man, like, um, like just a small little question, just the small, and I'll make it short. You say it. Um, so, Brad, like, what do you like? I, I, like, what do you think the Bears are going to do? Like, I don't think we asked you this question, but what do you think the Bears are going to do from from your perspective, from the, your number crunching that you do? Uh, what are the three moves that you think the Bears are going to make? Cut, sign, resign. So no. we, we, we talked about yeah. cuts real quickly. So Jimmy Graham, Buster Scrine, and Bobby Massey, I think, are going to be your, your kind of no-brainer cuts. I think restructure Eddie Jackson's a no-brainer. Um, put, just to, you know, push some money down the line, as we talked about. Maybe a couple other there. And then... I mean, because I think that, like, I, I, waited to pay. Yeah, I'm sorry. You should have just waited to pay Eddie Jackson. I think that's just my opinion about it. You should have waited till his fourth year to pay him because, like, that's what they do. They get their money and they sit back and relax. Well, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I, I think he's pissed off now. I think he's he's seen comments to that effect. So hopefully, hopefully, he plays pissed off next year. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if Eddie Jackson, the guy that strikes me as someone who sits back, but per, you know, perhaps he got a little bit comfortable. But I, I, I would say. The early extension, more often than not, is a good idea. You, you like, you know, for all we know, he could have had an even better season and then signed for you know sixteen million a year instead of fourteen. I want him so, to be the Tyron Matthew in this defense so bad. I want him to be like a top three safety. You know, a guy that Jamal Adams in Seattle who has ten sacks. You know, that would be great. But like, sorry, continue again. I keep on interrupting. No, no, you're good. You're good. I mean, yeah. Hopefully, this uh, hotshot young new defensive coordinator can can yeah. use uh, Eddie Jackson in more more interesting ways than. Pagano did. Who I, I I think I'm a bit of a Pagano defender. I don't think he's as bad as folks thought he was, but, okay. but I do think he maybe was more comfortable with some kind of traditional, kind of simple concepts. 
Um, whereas, you know, a younger guy could maybe, you know, we all saw what Brandon Staley kind of revolutionized with all this too high safety looks and all this stuff he did where it was so predicated on stopping the pass as opposed to the traditional NFL viewpoint of stop the run first and then focus on the pass. So, you know, bring a safety coach as the new defensive coordinator, I think is a, is a bright idea. Um, but yeah, so those two and then resign. I mean, they, I think they have to realize that, that, uh, a Bears offense without Allen Robinson is, is a potentially scary offense, and, yeah. and I don't mean that in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. you know, that, that, that's that, that's insane. I, I, I just think the Bears will just do minimal and just bring back the guys that they think that are that can be uh, contributors to this offense and defense. So I don't think we're going to expect anything huge, except a couple of restructures and here and there, and then you know, yeah, go from there. But thank you, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Brad. Appreciate no, it. No, thank you guys for having me. It was a good time. Absolutely, man. Thanks again for being on. You know, if there's, we'll love to, we will have to get you on again, dude, when the Bears make a couple moves in free agency down the line here. But uh, yeah, man, we'll let you get out of here. But uh, yeah, thanks again for being on, dude. Of course, definitely. Yeah. Thanks again. All right. We'll talk later. Peace out, man. All right, so that was an excellent interview with Pro Football Focus's very own Brad Spielberger. You can follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. See, I always love talking to Brad, right? Because he's the one guy that I know on Twitter that, you know, you can DM him. He's super awesome, responds to all my tweets. You know, I have a great relationship with Brad, right? in terms of like the football stuff that we do. And that's actually my first time that I've had him on a podcast. But, yo, we asked him about Aaron Rodgers' comments and the contract of what's going on, right? I think when we look at it, you know, Photoshop's an annoying-ass tool, but it's also nice because you can envision things that probably are not going to happen. Now, one of the things that's been floating around is the possibility of – Aaron Rodgers not being in Green Bay. And if you've heard the comments, you know, he was like, look, futures are uncertain. He went on the Pat McAfee show today and he clarified what he was talking about. He's like, oh, I'm talking about the running back, Aaron Aaron Jones, I think it is. I'm talking about the center, Corey Lindsley. He was deflecting the comments saying, yo, it's those guys. But I think when we look at it, when you have an organization that spends a first round pick on a quarterback, when you have a quarterback in his mid to late, 30s like Aaron Rodgers is right now because he's going to be I think 37 next this coming December December 2021 right that speaks volumes because Green Bay right now there's a bit of a youth movement going on because everything you saw them doing the 2019 and the 2020 draft it's very clear they're building ahead for the future is what's going on right they're looking past if they really felt like Aaron Rodgers was the true answer they would go ahead and they would not have drafted Jordan Love they would have held held off on drafting a quarterback knowing that their window is still wide open. I get Rodgers is one and four in NFC championship games, but yo, if logistically, if Aaron Rodgers would hit the free agent market, you know what? I would take him on the Bears in a heartbeat. And my thoughts on this thing are simple, right? Reality is listen, Bears fans, you complained about Cutler and then you were okay with Trubisky, which everyone wanted Deshaun Watson. Let's be real. I wanted Deshaun Watson. Um, and we've talked about that on past pods. We're not going to get, I'm not going to get into it at least myself. Right. But like, yo, you have a defense, which is aging. Right. So if Aaron Rodgers were to come here, Chicago, number one, they'd be instant Super Bowl contenders next year. And number two, right. Um, it would kind of be like Peyton Manning signing with the Denver Broncos, but Aaron Rodgers signing with the bears. I think it would be that type of mood move because you would essentially, you're bringing the guy in for three, four, two to three years, essentially. Right. Say, hey, hopefully you can win us a Super Bowl, and then boom, that's the end of it. Then you ride off into the sunset. And I think if you're Rodgers, right, like what better way to prove Green Bay wrong and be like, yo, you messed up by drafting Jordan Love and not extending me and disrespecting me 
So I'm going to go to your biggest rivals and I'm going to shoot you guys in the face, right? And be like, yo, Bears, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I would take Aaron Rodgers in a heartbeat too. You know, I love the guy. You know, it's not, it's, it's in a non-homophobic way. But like, you know, Bears fans, you cannot discount how many times Aaron Rodgers has boat raced us, coming to Soldier Field and breaking our hearts, okay? Cannot deny that. I don't care who you are. I don't care what type of vendetta you have for this Green Bay team, all right? Like, it, they are boat racing us for the last 12 years. I mean, ever since that NFC Championship game at Soldier Field, that's when that rule started, when Aaron Rodgers started to come here, and he used to terrify us. We saw that 55-point game at, um, in Lambeau. We saw that Jordy Nelson, where Crayon LeBlanc was, um, was guarding him or uh, was covering him. You know, we saw the whole Chris Conti thing. We've been through that. The guy torches us, okay, period. You know, we can't get over this Green Bay hump, so why are you even talking about playoffs in the first place? You know, like at the end of the day, if both of these teams make the playoffs, Green Bay is going to st- stick the knife in our stomachs anyway. So, like, it's like – we don't have that firepower to do so. And like, you know, we've been playing QB carousel long before I've been born, you know, and long before we won the Super Bowl too, as well. So, I mean, you know, if the bears, if the bears can't get this quarterback position, right, you can't beat good teams, you know, and we can't, you know, we, we've, we've been at this, we've been throwing, throwing cupcakes at the wall, nothing sticking, all of them just fall, you know, like, 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 you know, like that, the saying in Indian, like, uh, if you throw mud at the door, if it doesn't stick, you're, you're an idiot. And if it does stick, you're going to be really, really successful. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about here. All right. You take, you take, you take like some mud and you throw it at the door. If it sticks, shit will work out. But if it doesn't, like in the Chicago Bears way, every time George McCaskey, Ted Phillips has thrown um, mud at the wall, except for Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler stuck for nine years and they purposely scraped it off. All right. It was stuck. Like they threw a mud ball at the door for Jay Cutler and it stuck for nine years. And George McCaskey was like, oh, yeah, we should, we should save um, 16. This is delicious, man. Pace, you got to listen to this idea. See, here's what I'll say, right? Here's... Wait, 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 wait. No, no, hold on. Let, 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 me, let me get in here, right? While you figure out your George McCaskey impression. Yeah, I'm going to do the whole... play. Yeah, my whole thing is this, right? Is just the reality of the situation is that, like, I'm tired of having garbage quarterbacks, right? Yeah. And I'm tired of consistently cycling through this. Like, I got into an argument, dude, with not necessarily a Twitter argument, but it was a debate, right? Because a lot of people come at me on Twitter anyway. But, like, our boy George, right? Bro, our boy George was like, and I'm sorry for putting you on blast, George. All right, you're awesome. But, yo, our boy George straight up like, oh, Ryan Pace hasn't messed up on quarterback. And then me and my guy, our boy Raul, right, we were all like, no, he has messed up on quarterback because it's like, bro, you – first off, you moved on from Cutler a year too early, which – you botched the whole – it was a perfect time to move on from Cutler. It's just the way you handled the post-Cutler era completely messed you up, right? Because Mike Glennon was a freaking failure. And everyone knew as soon as they drafted Trubisky, Glennon was only going to be here for a year, right? Yeah. But so, here's, the here's the thing. This is, this, is what, this is how the role play went. Like, this is what this was like. like this is like, well, this, this is Ted Phillips. Well, well, George, I mean, you know, you know, I'm a money cruncher and I love to save money. So, I mean, if we get rid of Cutler, we're like, okay, if we crunch the numbers, 16 and a half million. Oh my God. Okay. 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 Ted. Okay. Ted, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. I'll tell Pace. Hey, uh, Ryan, uh, 
man, man, the 16 and a half million is really salivating for Jay Cutler, man. If we cut and we save 16 and a half million, then we can probably go get a guy like Mike Glenn. You know that draft from Tampa Bay? That, that, yeah. Oh, you got it. You got it. You got it. I got you. I'm going to go get Trubisky with the second overall pick and trade some ammo. And then I'm going to go get, uh, so we're going to save the 16 and a half million, Ryan. And then we're going to go get a guy from Tampa Bay. You know that draft we're talking about? Yeah, that. Yeah. Mike Glennon, get it. 15 million a year. Consider it done, George. I got you. I'm going to draft my son while I'm at it too. Yeah. So, you know, going back to my point, right? Is I'm just, sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I, I just love doing role plays, you said. I just want to make the people laugh. You're going to do that. That was funny. Oh, but going back to my whole thing, right? It's just, just like, dude, you, like, I swear to God, bro, if there's an opportunity to sign Aaron Rodgers, you better sign him. And I don't Absolutely. care that this guy was like a former Packers or that this guy was. I want to win a Super Bowl. I just want to win a Super Bowl, dude. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And you know what? Like, you mentioned it perfectly, you know, earlier on the podcast. It's like your quarterback has to be taking you forward. He can't keep you stagnant or he can't be taking you backwards. And the Bears have been stagnant or going backwards with their quarterbacks for way too long. And so now it's just going to be a matter of like, they're talking about, Hey, you know, we're going to get the quarterback position, right? Cause you see the Jay Glazer report coming out. You see Aaron Rodgers' comments, you know, dude, mm-hmm. the people don't realize, right? Chicago has a legitimate chance to figure out the quarterback position this off season, whether it's the short term or it's the long term. But the yeah. reality is that like, how are you? It just all comes down to this, right? Is like, how do you do your homework on these situations, right? And if you do your homework thoroughly and you get Matt Nagy's input, you know, and you get the input, I understand. I, look, I get I rag on Matt Nagy, I but one too. thing I will give Nagy is this is the dude was smart enough to assemble him around, like, you know, other quarterback coaches. Like, DiFilippo is the best quarterbacks coach in the game, all right? So if he can get the input right of, like, Pace, of, you know, if Pace can get the input right of, like, Nagy, of DiFilippo, of Bill Lazor, you know what, man? You're in a situation where whether it's a veteran in their mid to early early to mid-30s or it's a rookie, you get this position figured out and salvage this defense. Because you know why we can't find an identity? Because these two quarterbacks don't give you an identity. Derek Carr gives you an identity. Carson Wentz gives you an identity. Hell, Deshaun Watson gives you an identity. The last three quarterbacks the Bears have had, they don't give us an identity. Jay Cutler gave us one for the last nine years. After that, the Bears' offense has not had an identity. All right? You can tell me that, oh, the Bears, I guess, with Trubisky in 2018. Dude, shut up. Okay? That, that, that team was carried by the defense. If the defense was, like, ranked 32nd in the league, you said we would have gone, like, 5-11. and 11. Yeah, true. And, you know, we've seen every single time. I mean, look, the the way this thing's going to work is this, right? Is it's just like if the opportunity for Rodgers is there, then you have to go and you have to seriously pick matter. the – Like it doesn't matter if you hate Green Bay or not. Like that's what I hate about Bears fans. It's like, you know, I put out a poll like a year ago that like if Aaron Rodgers was a, a free agent, right, you said, would you go get him? Yes. Like there was like 76% yeses and 24% no, right? Had over like 400 votes, right? And then I see a couple of Bears fans that are like, no, I will never have a forward packer on my Bears team. What are you talking about? This guy just threw 45 touchdowns and less than six picks, bro. Like, I would cream for that production. All right? that The Bears haven't had that. The Bears haven't had a 30-plus touchdown thrower in the last 35 years, right? If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't. Jay Cutler, I think the, the largest number was 28, I think. And that was that was um Mark Trestman's um, offense in 2012. That was the highest number in the last this this century, I think, in the 20th, 21st century. Yeah, we something 
Yeah, something. No, yes, you know, something like that, right? And so the way I'm looking at, you know, so you know, ESPN's Diana Rossini, right? Yeah, she was on a podcast that I listened to, and I quote tweeted the podcast and everything, and she straight up said she's like, "Oh shit, like 2020 might be Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay," and I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna make that prediction because you know what? Like, if you're Matt Lafleur, and I'm not saying this is a guy who covers the Bears for two websites, right? And has two podcasts. If you're Matt LaFleur, you got to be thinking, Hey, this is one guy's my quarterback of the future. One guy's my quarterback. Now this is about in this league, especially at this position, building a lasting long-term sustainable winning team, right? Rogers gives you that in the short term to whatever 2022, 2023, but Jordan loves gives it to you for the next decade and a half. That's what this decision is going to come down to. And I know people are like, and I know Mark Murphy was like, well, he's going to be back. Yo, they're still in the process of evaluating the roster. They just lost the conference championship game like four days ago. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I don't care if the, if, if, if Rogers lost four, four championships games in a row, if this guy becomes available, guys, these owners, these presidents of football teams, they love to throw out jokers out there. They love to throw out smoke screens out there, okay, just to fool other sports uh, franchises out there, okay, guys? And the Bears should be all over every quarterback that's going to be available this year. Like, if Ryan Pace, Ryan Pace says who he was, and right now he's throwing Mickey Loomis and what Mickey Loomis said about him in his press conference when Ryan Pace left the Saints, he's literally smearing Mickey Loomis right now. Because how can I say a guy that's worked in this New Orleans organization that put together that Super Bowl team that won the Super Bowl, right? How can you say, like, is it Ryan Pace, like, like being handcuffed again? Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this organization, man, like, it just pisses me off in so many different ways. Like, it just seems like they let him go get Khalil Mack, and then they let him go get Jimmy Graham and Robert Quinn. And after that, they were like, okay, you fucked up with this. You fucked up with Trubisky. Well, now, hang on. Now you report to me, Ted Phillips. My name is Ted Phillips, guys. I've been the controller for over 35 years. Yeah, and has nothing to show for. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode because my pizza's downstairs. Uh, my mom actually just ah. brought that home, right? So uh, we're going to get out of here, you know. But once again, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, Sam hopefully should be back next week. But, you know, yeah, big shout out to Sh- Brad being on here. I'm going to DM Brad after this. Uh, you know, congrats again, dude, to the Desai family. That's such a big move. I'm so happy for you guys. And you and I technically, you know, are like brothers, right? But, uh, you know, follow us on Twitter, guys. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at barely underscore pod. Follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. That's my Instagram. That's my Facebook handle, too. Follow AJ on Twitter at AJ Desai 4. We're going to be back next week with more Senior Bowl stuff and probably some more draft stuff. I don't know. Maybe we might have a major NFL draft insider on. I have no idea, but we'll see. Peace out, guys.